Book Squad Goals is proud to be an affiliate for the 2020 Refresh Weekly Planner by Workspacery. Planning time to record a podcast around four working women's schedules is tough. That's why we need the right tools to keep us on time and up to date. Featuring a beautiful minimalist design, dual weekly layout with task organization, and a goal planning section, the 2020 Refresh Weekly Planner has everything you need to keep you organized and inspired in the coming year. Visit workspacery.com and enter code BOOKSQUAD, all caps, at checkout to get 20% off a planner today. That's workspacery.com, enter code BOOKSQUAD at checkout. Puppies and kitties, books and movies, yes, we love these. Listen to this podcast, please. On today's episode of Book Squad Goals, we're going to pretend that we're spy chicks (laughs) because we are talking about American Spy by Lauren Wilkinson. Um, But for real, oh, you might hear the dog in the background, by the way. I'm hanging out with Frank and I'll send you guys pictures. Um, But for real, um, speaking of spies, I have an intro question for you guys. What is your favorite spy movie slash show or whatever? I would say like spy novel, but I don't read a lot of spy novels. This is kind of like, uh, diving into a new genre for me as far as books are concerned, but I have seen several spy movies. So, but you know, if it's a novel for you, that's okay as well. Who would like to go first? I, I, I would like to go first. Yes, please. This is Mary. I'm coming out of complete left field with oh my boy. pick. But you did say oh movie, okay. show, slash, whatever. <laughs> it's going to be a video game. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I knew it. So there was this, <laughs> that's why I said whatever. You know? It's either that or it's Annihilation. It, it, actually, my favorite spy novel is Annihilation. <laughs> 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 no, I... Um, I don't love spy movies or TV shows or novels. Like, I'm, it's not a genre I'm super into. But when I was a kid, there was a video game called Gex. Enter the Gecko. Oh, my gosh. And gecko spies? He was a gecko, and he wore a tiny tuxedo. Was this, like, sponsored around. by Geico? <laughs> No, this was this was like pre Gecko Geico. So, so like you ran around as this Gecko spy and he would it was just like a platformer video game, but he made constant references to pop culture and movies and I didn't understand it. I just but knew that he it. was a Gecko spy. And I was very yeah. into it. And so that's my pick. Gex, enter the Gecko. Sounds dope. It's great. That's amazing. Um, this is Kelly. I am gonna be my true self and say that the Charlie's Angels movie franchise, of which there are two, the originals, but not the original TV show, um, starring Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, yeah. and Lucy Liu, <laughs> was like my absolute shit as a child. I was obsessed with it. Like Yes. Oh, and starring Destiny's Child on that soundtrack. Oh, of course. Uh-huh. Of course. Um great soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Uh but yeah, yeah that movie was like I it was like my ideal of like what I wanted to be as a woman. <laughs> like the <laughs> like they had all these little tiny red Nokia phones. That was like my dream. 
I was like, so my friends and I, me, Justine, and my friend Carolyn, we all like were a different um, one of the Charlie's Angels. So I was Cameron Diaz, obviously. Um, obviously. Cameron Diaz is my least favorite. I actually I would have pegged you for Diaz. Lucy Liu. But. Well, to be quite honest, um, Justine and I's friend Carolyn uh, was Asian. And so she was like, I'm Lucy oh. Liu. And we're like, okay. So she defaults. Yeah. yeah. See, I w- I wanted to be Drew Barrymore. That was Justine. So, yeah. Um, okay, Justine and I will have to chat yeah. about our love for Drew Barrymore as a Charlie's Angel. Well, because Justine so. had long, wavy hair or curly hair, and I had it was mostly based on our hair, <laughs> which angel we were. Um, which uh, you definitely have blonde hair, just like Cameron. Diaz. But I d- well, no, but I did have like a shoulder length bob sort of haircut, which she has in the first movie. Um, mm-hmm. and I practiced so much doing my slow hair flip that she does when she, um, is okay. trying to attract Luke Wilson and she kind of like dips her head down and then like flips her hair back and smiles. Oh my God. I worked on mine so much. And I just want to say that I think that Sam Rockwell's performance in that movie is one of the all time great iconic villain performances. Um, yeah. He's incredible. But yeah, I just, I loved that movie. We, my friends and I, we were probably in like sixth grade when the second one came out and we like dressed up in all black and went to the premiere. <laughs> like not oh premiere, but like premiere at the movie theater. I love it. Our local movie theater. Um, I, I was obsessed with it. I played spies all the time because of it. I was like all about that. However, I'm not really into other spy stuff. Just that. Quick plug, since we don't do stuff we're into anymore. Um, the new Charlie's Angels movie is amazing, and Kristen Stewart as a Charlie's Angel is everything. So you should definitely go see that. Yes, I will. Don't call me Angel. <laughs> yes, and there's lots of Ariana Grande music in it, which doesn't hurt. Yeah, I will be seeing that. Don't <laughs> worry. Don't you worry. Susan. Okay, I should have asked this question earlier, but do assassin movies count? Mm. Sure. Why not? Because... I kind of have two. So if assassin movies count because there's spy activity involved, then it's Kill Bill, Volume 1. Yes! I love them. They're spies, Uh, yeah? Huh? They're spies. They have code names. Okay, cool. I just didn't know because I I don't obviously uh, have a lot in this genre to say either. And if you were going to say no to that, Harriet the Spy was going to be my answer. (laughs) That's great. I I love Harriet the Spy. When I was a kid, the movie with Michelle Trachtenberg. Yes. um, I just saw a tweet about that And Rosie O'Donnell. (laughs) Um, I liked her little spy kit and I I used to like carry around similar stuff like that for a while Mm -hmm. do you have a notebook that that your friends discovered and read aloud from Mm -hmm. yeah and I had to like record suspicious happenings and then I had a little compact you know she like uses Mm -hmm. the mirror to see behind her I can definitely identify with eavesdropping on people also because I still do that (laughs) all the time um, yeah, so that and Kill Bill, two very different picks, but... But are they different? Both good. <laughs> uh, yes. A little. <laughs> um, Lucy Liu as Oren Ishii in Kill Bill is uh, Lucy Liu coming up twice she's on this. such a good mm-hmm. And she's on Sherlock, that show, or Elementary. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's not a... That's detective, Okay, though. but... That's not spot. It's close. Um... Okay, this is Emily. I'm going to go kind of traditional, but I'm going to be specific. 
Uh, it's James Bond, but specifically, GoldenEye is such a good fucking movie. And that was the movie that yes. really got me into James Bond because I didn't really care about James Bond before that. So really, like, Pierce Brosnan, Brosnan James Bond is my favorite. Um, but specifically, that movie is just a really cool movie. Um, speaking of video games, iconic video game coming out of that movie. That's super iconic. So, um, yeah, I just really loved it. It. I don't really have a lot to say because it's very, again, very traditional pick. I feel like one of us had to pick James Bond, so I'm here to do it. Um, I was obsessed with Goldeneye yeah, as a kid. Such and a good movie. Specifically because of the character Boris, yeah. who was played by Alan I am Cummings. Invincible. <laughs> oh I've never seen it. I am Invincible. It's so good, Kelly. I, it's a really good movie. I don't know if I've ever seen any. I think maybe I've seen one James Bond movie. Probably like Skyfall. Um, the or Daniel something. Craig also, ones are really good as well, but for me, it's because like I saw Goldeneye when I was young. Obviously, like that was kind of yeah the James Bond. Movie Here's thing. a selling point: there is a character named Xena on a top who kills men Into with her thighs. Will be watching. Very, very traditional James Bond villain there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and I, as a kid, I was like, she's. So cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, I um, aspire to kill men with my thighs. Is what you thought? She just crushes them. I mean, so obviously we've established ourselves as four experts on spies here. Absolutely. <laughs> oh gosh, um, which is going to be great for discussing this book, American Spy by Lauren Wilkinson. Um, this is, as far as I know, Lauren Wilkinson's debut novel. It is. I looked it up. Didn't see anything else by her. So it yes. says it All in right. her bio that it's her first novel. Okay. In the back of the book. So I have a summary here. It's kind of long. So let me take a sip of my coffee before I get into this because I botched these famously. Ooh, I like your nail color. Thank you. I wanted to go for something wintry and dark. Hot. Because that's how I'm feeling. Mm. Assaulted. My toenails are like a dark purple right now. I feel like. Me too. Oh, shit. We're all on the same wavelength. Oh, my gosh. All right. Summary. Him. What if your sense of duty required you to betray the man you love? One woman struggles to choose between her honor and her heart in this enthralling espionage drama set against an unforgettable historical backdrop. It's 1986. It's really 1987, though. And also 1990. So I don't know why it says 1986, yeah. because the majority of this book happens in 87. But anyway, yes, let's just critique this as we go. Um, but for the, you know, just for the sake of going with the summary, we'll say it's 1986. Um, the heart of the Cold War and Marie Mitchell is an intelligence officer with the FBI. She's brilliant, but she's also a young black woman working in an old boys club and her career has stalled out. She's overlooked for every high profile squad especially the book squad, and her days are filled with monotonous paperwork. So when she's given the opportunity to join a shadowy task force aimed at undermining Thomas Sankara, the, or Thomas, I believe, because it's French, right? Smart. Thomas Sankara. We're going to go with that. The charismatic Did anyone do the audiobook? Revolutionary president of, oh, I'm going to mess this up, Burkina Faso. I should have really thought about this before I started going. Um... 
whose communist ideology has made him a target for American interventions. She says yes. Yes, even though she secretly admires the work Thomas is doing for his country. Yes, even though she is still grieving the mysterious death of her sister, whose example led Marie to this career path in the first place. Yes, even though, there's a lot of yeses here, a furious part of her suspects she's being offered the job because of her appearance and not her talent. In the year that follows... Marie will observe Thomas, seduce him, and ultimately have a hand in the coup that will bring him down. But doing so will change everything she believes about what it means to be a spy, a lover, a sister, and a good American. Inspired by true events, Thomas Sankara is known as Africa's Che Guevara. This novel knits together a gripping spy thriller, thriller, a heartbreaking family drama, and a passionate romance. This is a face of the Cold War you've never seen before, and it introduces a powerful new literary voice. Oh, if I had waited until the end, it says right there that this is her first book. Yeah. You know, I did a lot of research, so. Okay, so really quick about this summary, I just want to say, having read the book, looking at the summary, I'm like, well, you basically told the entire story. That's just what happens in the book. Yeah. That's basically everything. Right? So... When you asked about the audiobook and the pronunciation, so I listened to the audiobook first, <laughs> not all the way through, mm-hmm. and then finished it in the book. You book. didn't get far enough. So I'd never heard his name <laughs> pronounced because yeah, I okay. only got to like before that. But I on Wikipedia okay. it looks like the pronunciation says Toma, so Okay. Um so stuff to talk about. Uh this story is framed as a letter to Marie's twin boys. Uh one guess on how she got those twin boys, but we'll get there. Uh, we know how some of us feel about epistolary storytelling. Uh, so how do we feel about how this frame worked and why was it there? I think I'm one of the people who's complained Seems- about it before. Okay, well, then you go um, for it, Susan. Tell us how you I felt. Will. It didn't bother me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I quite liked it that way, actually. I don't know. I think it like kind of helped the pace not lag even when like it wasn't action packed. Yeah. Um this is Kelly. I am going to disagree because it did bother me and but it does bother I was the other person complaining about it like when we were talking about um uh where would you go Bernadette and I was talking about the novel and how it's written in letters cuz what bothers me about epistolary form is the like part where I have to suspend my disbelief and think that this person who's writing this like remembers exact conversations and is describing like like what like half of the stuff that she put in here as description it's like why would you put that in a letter to your children she'd be like there was a man on the corner selling bananas or something and it's like why like if this is a Why letter, would you say that? Yeah, if this is a letter to your children about like your life, like I get setting the scene, but there was a lot of scene setting that was clearly for the benefit of like the reader and not the benefit of her sons who are reading this to find out about mm-hmm. their mother and uh their father and not like it just didn't make any sense to me and also just seemed like like excessively detailed if we're considering the fact that she like sat down and wrote all of it like in you know a week or whatever after uh the incident occurred at her home and then she went and like dropped her boys off and wrote an entire novel and then was like bye <laughs> like, yeah no no like it just doesn't make sense to me but that's me being like taking it too literally i guess 
Um, I'm going to come I'm, – I'm in the middle here. Yeah. I do feel like it drove the novel forward because it definitely gave it a sense of purpose that I feel like might be missing otherwise. Like it gave a reason for telling the story at this point. Right. Um, that made a lot of sense. Uh, the reason it bothered me was any of the parts that got a little like romantic or sexy. Mm-hmm. I was like, why? And I know like there was, there was even one point where she said like, I'm not going to go into more detail because like that ain't none of y'all's business. But even still, there were parts that were like romantic and flirty. And like, I was like, I would not, I would not talk to my kids about their father like this. No, especially my very young kids. Yeah. So, I mean, it depends. I don't know when, because I feel like she must have had a, something she was going to tell her mom, like, like, let them read this eventually. Like, I don't think she was going to be like, you can read this right now. I do think. But still, it was like, I don't know. It was a little like, ooh, and then he was hot. And, like, I wanted to make out with him. But, like, he didn't want to make out with me. I don't know. Like, I don't know. I just don't I mean, know. that stuff doesn't bother but me. But I think, like, I think it is, like, no, like something that we do is, like, feel uncomfortable with the idea that our parents could be, like, sexual beings at all. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. But at the same time, like, I, I understand what you're saying. I don't, I don't, like... I don't, they, there were just parts of this novel where, like, I was getting into it and I was like, ooh, this is kind of sexy. And then I was like, ooh, her kids are reading yeah. it. Yeah. You know? I do, I mean, I wish that we could have had the sex scene because I feel like it would have been hot. Yes, like, we got so close to this book being, like, super sexy. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, the fact that she was telling it to her kids complicated that for me as a reader and also made it less sexy because she couldn't go there all the way. So it was like sort of like this halfway thing where I was like, this is still feels too sexy. And I feel awkward reading this, knowing her kids are Mm -hmm. reading this, but also like not sexy enough. Yeah. I did not enjoy the epistolary form. Um, It, I don't know. It, it did feel like it gave it a purpose. I agree with you there, Emily. I just, like, to me, it didn't give it enough purpose. I don't know, because I was just like, why should I care about this? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's hard because I think, like, why should we care about any story that we're reading about, you know? Like, so in some ways I'm like, because in some ways I'm like, yeah, like, what is the, like, purpose of us learning this story? And then it's like, okay, well, her kids are learning it. And I'm like, but even if they weren't learning it, like, like, what's the purpose? But then what's the purpose of, you know, literally any book is just to tell this story. So I feel like it could have been okay. It, I think it would have had, like, the same impact on me had it not been in letter form addressed to her children. Um, mm-hmm. Or if it had just been her, like, recording, like, you know, a diary to leave behind or something and not specifically. The other thing that bothered me was... Uh, which is just, you know, a weird grammatical thing in the addressing of of you, but it's two people. So mm-hmm. whenever she would say, like, like you, comma, Tommy, were in the bed, and you, comma, whatever her other kid's name was, I forget, um, <laughs> which is probably bad. <laughs> uh, was it William? <laughs> William. When it would be, like, you, Tommy, or you, William, and, like, it was – it just felt like like stilted it kind of like took me out of the story because i remembered that it was like this weird form that w- that was being written in um and that was just like awkward to me mm-hmm. uh and i didn't like it 
<laughs> but I don't know. I'm being picky, probably. So why do you think they chose to, or why do you think that Lauren Wilkinson chose to write it this way? Um, I think just probably because the mystery at the middle of this is where the kids came from. I mean, like, is that really a mystery? I don't know. Like, I mean, no, but for them, it's a mystery. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's what I mean. I don't, not for us, but writing to them because this I'm, is something there is something I mean they she don't does say like themselves. your father pretty that early on about Sankara um I think the the real mystery yeah. here is like who mm-hmm. who attacked her and why at the beginning yeah I mean I'm assuming it's someone from Ross yeah the- which we didn't know really until towards the end yeah Although right. I like kind of figured that Slater was evil from like the moment he yeah. first appeared. Yes. That's the other thing is like there's not a whole lot of subtlety in this book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like No. Um That was my main issue with it, and we can get to this when we get to ratings, but I kind of felt like the entire time I was reading it, I was like, Well, this is basically going the direction I expected mm-hmm. yeah. to. And that's pretty much how the whole book went, is like I mean, not that I need, like, crazy plot twists or whatever. And, I mean, I guess you could argue there are plot twists at the end, but, like, not really. We kind of knew, we knew where yes, this was going. Yes, I agree. But, um, yeah, let's just get to the next question and we can get yeah. more of that maybe later. Because I think um, beyond story, I think what Lauren Wilkinson is really trying to deal with here is um, – issues of racism and sexism in America. Um, And I think there was a really interesting quote on page 172 where Marie's father says to her, "Um, I've been a spy in this country for as long as I can remember. Um, I thought that that was kind of like summed up the theme of the novel for me. Um, I don't know how you guys felt about it or even if you remember this section, but what do you think you meant by this? Um I was reading reviews of this book on Goodreads right after I finished it because I'm a broken person and I need to know what other people are saying. (laughs) But um, a lot of the reviews were like, this isn't even about a spy. This doesn't have anything to do with spying. This isn't about espionage at all. And I think that this quote that you picked, Emily, like perfectly encapsulates what Lauren Wilkinson is trying to say. Like, Uh, Marie's father was a police officer and faced a lot of the same discrimination and many of the same struggles that she has in her force, except maybe not as bad because she is also a woman in addition to being black. But saying I've been a spy in this country for as long as I can remember sort of implies that her father feels he's been on the outside looking in, observing, trying to fit in with these people that he worked and lived with. And I mean, it's a different way, I think, to think about race and consider how it might feel to, you know, experience things as a minority, watching the majority, trying to fit in, trying to be accepted like a spy. I think it also has to do with alliances, right? Because um, there's this sense where if you're, I don't know, let's, we'll just take law, law enforcement yeah. as an example, um, because he is in law, law enforcement. Um, 
there's this sense that um, law enforcement is working against yes. uh, black Americans in a lot of instances. And so then there's this question of like, where do your loyalties lie? Do they lie with law enforcement or do they lie with your race? Um, and that kind of make, makes it like if you're a, I can't, you know, like I don't know because I don't work in law enforcement and I'm also white, but just from what I know about the way these things work, if you're a black person working within a system like law enforcement, it can kind of feel like you have this like double alliance yeah. thing going yeah. on. Yeah. Or, I mean, as far as the idea of being a spy, I think, you know, it's, it's also the idea of working the system from the inside a little bit. Um, because mm-hmm. if you are, you know, someone who is targeted by an organization and you decide to work for that organization, there is, like, a sense that maybe you could change it and right. a sense that maybe, you know, you can be really, like, a spy for your own people or for yourself, like, on the inside of – so, like, if he's a cop and, you know, the cops are famously terrible to uh, black Americans – um he has, like, an inside perspective on that. So he's, like, you know. But but that's the other thing, too, is that, like, it, like he can feel that way and feel like he's he's really doing it to benefit himself and, and uh, you know, the other people in his community. But, you know, the people in your community are going to just see you as, as betraying them a lot of the time. Exactly. Because um, yeah. yeah. it's, like, it the idea itself of being able to like play the system from the inside is one that is, you know, uh, really, it's a lot more difficult than, than it sounds, you know, to think like I can change things. It's like, you are just one person. And a lot of times you're just going to end up getting swept up in the things that are being committed. And like, you're not going to have any control over it as much as you want to think you will. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm going to kind of go into this next question because these are related, but so how, you know, moving from her father to how this relates to her and her work, um, how do you feel like Marie being a black woman affects her feelings of loyalty, um, towards her country and the way she's seen in her job? I feel like this is what most of the novel is about. Um, so like, I almost feel like we, this could be the only discussion question and we could just be <laughs> talking about this book because like, yeah. this is kind of, I feel like this, I mean, like there's a story here, but really this is what she's really mm-hmm. writing about. Right. So. Yeah. There's a quote that I wrote down. I can't tell you what page it was on because I was listening, um, toward the beginning though, um, when she is talking about the men that she works with. A sense of self-importance permeated the culture. So did machismo and knee-jerk conservatism. Very few of those... I skip a little. Very few of those men understood having no choice about whether they were political or not. Unlike yeah. me, they weren't people who'd yeah. had their existence politicized on right. their behalf. Which is just, like... And you can take it and apply it to, you know, stuff happening today where, like, the type of people who decide that they're not going to vote... Um, because, like, yes. they're morally opposed to it or whatever. Like, I'm not going to get political because it's just, like, it makes things complicated. And But it's, like, well, good for you that, like, you right. have nothing to lose. Um, yeah. What a nice position right. to be Where, in. yeah, like, <laughs> like, black people in this country, like, 
are automatically put in a position of, like, I have to have an opinion and I have to take a side because, like, it's Mm -hmm. my side, you know? (laughs) Like, because there are people against me from the get-go. And maybe this is just me MFA monitoring every author we read. (laughs) (laughs) But I wondered, you know, I read uh, Lauren Wilkinson's little bio (laughs) in the back and it says she has an MFA from Columbia. Her little bio. Yes, her little bio, her author bio. Um, I read your little bio. I heard you got a little degree from like no. Bio. <laughs> I was just Good thinking little because it's short. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> just like a paragraph. Um, but she got a degree from Columbia. She got a degree in both literary translation and uh, creative writing and or fiction, I think specifically. And Columbia is not just like little a little throwaway school. <laughs> Like, yeah. I'm sure it was hard to get in and hard to stay in. And in a lot of ways, I wondered if we could read American Spy as like Lauren Wilkinson sort of processing and translating some of those feelings she might have felt in her MFA. Because it's, I mean, in a lot of ways, I think it could be a similar thing being, yeah. you know, one of the, you know, fewer um, black students in a program, right. probably. Having been in grad school at a couple of different schools, I can tell you, like, most grad programs are, like, primarily white. Yeah. I mean... It, I mean, it takes a lot of money, and it takes a lot of time, and a lot of uh, minority students might not have, like, the socioeconomic privilege sources. to yeah. uh, do that. That's not a well, fact yeah, and it I also like. T- I wish it was different, but... Yeah, and it also takes people selecting the program to be selecting actually people of color and not just – because a lot of times the people selecting for the program are going to be white. So – Yes. That kind of I mean, I just – I kind of – I think that this relationship between race and sort of like fitting in in an environment, um, whether it is – you know, like a police environment or a government organization environment or a grad program environment. Like we could apply this situation and these feelings to a lot of different things and it makes sense. And it's like a good lesson to learn and a thing to consider when you're interacting with people. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm also the MFA police. No, I think that's a good point. I don't think that you're, you're not really policing anything though. I think that's a fair point. And I think, you know, I'm glad she didn't write this book about an MFA program, honestly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and who's to say, like, if, I mean, I don't, we don't know what her MFA experience was like. So obviously. No, it could be great. You know, it could have been just great. conjecture. <laughs> but um, this is just me, like, stretching and trying to make connections because I, too, have, like, a higher degree. <laughs> yeah. And I, this is just, like, what I, what my brain does now. Yeah. Um, I think. I think it's telling that when she, um, there's a part where, where when she first, um, like, goes to Africa, uh, and she's like, this is the first time I've ever felt, before feeling like a woman or a black person, I feel like an American. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And... She's, like, in every other space, like, when I'm in America, like, I feel like the outsider, and I feel like, you know, other people are Americans, and I'm a black woman, and that's what I am first. But here, everyone can tell that, like, I'm from America, everyone thinks that I'm 
like has an immediate certain idea of what kind of person right. I am. Um, she's the American. She's not yeah. the black woman who works here. She's the American before she's anything else. Right. Because, you know, she's like surrounded also by other black people. And uh, so it's just, I think it, there's also that, that as- aspect of like how, no matter how, <coughs> like, no matter how similar people are, we're constantly like dividing ourselves into like others you know so it's like even when you're in a group of people who all seem similar to you like there's going to be a way for you to like p- find the outsider you know mm-hmm. so i thought that was interesting yeah <laughs> yep, i agree man well Good said job. guys <laughs> job, um does anyone have anything else to say about this should i move on I, I mean, I think it's something I'm still thinking about, but yeah. I like all of these answers that we have uh, done. I mean, I think that this is the best. I mean, this is like the most thought provoking and interesting thing about the novel to me is yeah. how it talks about race in America. Like, it's you don't even yeah. have to get to the part where she leaves America to start thinking about race in a different way. And that's, I mean, truly the best thing about the novel to me. Yeah. Um, okay, but there are other things in the novel, so we're still going to talk about them. Yes. <laughs> um, Bye. So, <laughs> see you later. That was fun. Um, um, so I do want to talk about some of the other characters that um, are important to Marie in the novel. First, let's talk about um, these two women in her life that – are very influential and hopefully I I'm really bad at French everyone um so if I pronounce anything terribly please excuse me and don't be offended um I asked you not to be offended so now you can't be that's how that works I do know the Um, pronunciation of these names if that helps okay so you can tell me um so I'm talking about Agathe yep is that right and Helen yep okay bingo you did it uh Agathe is uh, her mother, and Helen is her sister who mysteriously dies. Um, And I just, you know, both of these women do have an effect on, like, who Marie becomes as an adult. Um, And I was just curious about how we feel about these characters and how how they affect Marie's life, besides the fact that, you know, like, Agathe birthed her you know there are other there are other effects she has so we could talk about that a little bit so her mother um basically leaves her and her sister behind when they are like not too old they're what like six and not eight or something like that yeah um I don't remember exactly what their ages were maybe a little older than that but they're they're living in New York City and um uh, Agathe is originally from Martinique, right? Yes. Yes. Um, which is one of the the islands that uh, it's like a by the Car- Caribbean. Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> I am so unfamiliar with geography. It's awesome. We're just very unqualified to talk about this book. Just so um, <laughs> yeah. Listen, we're I got- white. We don't know anything about spies. We don't know anything about geography. We can't pronounce French. We're so trying I got my BFA yeah. in graphic design, and before that, I was p- 
publicly educated in Florida. So <laughs> if you're wondering why I don't know a lot, it's because of that. Um, <laughs> so anyway, uh, that's where her mom is uh, is from originally. And she decides that she is like not loving it in New York. And so she leaves and goes back. Um, and leaves her kids with their father. Um, what do? You, what's their dad's name? Pa. <laughs> Dad. Um. Pa-pa. Anyway. Yeah. So she she leaves them with their dad, and and the dynamic between her parents and the children is pretty pretty interesting. I think just because both of her parents are sort of like emotionally stunted people, it seems. Yeah. Um, yeah which creates emotionally stunted children. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, so her mom leaves and, and she has all like so much resentment um, towards her for so long. And in a lot of ways, um, Helene kind of becomes her, like she's her older sister. So she sort of becomes a mother figure in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and her and father she, also suggests that Helen is like her mother in a lot of ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, uh, Marie is, is very close to her sister, but then, you know, her sister moves away to, to go to school and ultimately, you know, uh, joins, like, the military and, and stuff. And, um, and then, like, her and uh, Marie have a falling out and they don't talk for a while. And then it's it's just, like, all of their relationships are very complicated. But I think, like, I think... Maria's dealing with the feeling of abandonment like twice over because, you know, her mom left them and then later she felt like her sister left her as well. Right. And so, and then she loses her sister. And I think like, like later on, she ends up going back to her mother in Martinique and, um, like when she becomes pregnant, she, she goes and visits her mom and it's the first time she's seen her probably since her sister's funeral, I think. And um, then they're they sort of like have their bond reestablished, even though it's still tenuous. But I think like part of her knew that she lost her sister, and she's like, okay, well, I still have this strained relationship with my mother, and I have time to fix it. Um, because my mom is still alive, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think I think like her relationships with both of those women are like inseparable from each other, you know? Yeah. That's, that's a good point. The same question. I don't know. Uh-huh. I was really interested in Helene and Marie's relationship because it's clear they love each other so much. And I think Kelly, you're right in that, uh, and Emily informing the question. You're right that <laughs> I think we're all right all the time. They are, oh my gosh. They are uh like very similar relationships that sort of echo each other. But I was interested in Helene and Marie's relationship especially in terms of like when Helene enlists in the army and tells Marie I'm not going to be here for your high school graduation. Mm-hmm. And you know, sort of like this thing I'm doing is more important you, you know, you should understand my sense of duty. Yeah. And also, Marie forms her whole life around what Helene wanted to do. Right. You know, Helene's the one who wanted to be a spy. Helene's the one who wanted to start up her own intelligence agency. And so Marie really gets interested in that because of Helene. 
Mm-hmm. I'm also like very intrigued by Helene's whole story of like how she had a car accident and how like was Daniel involved or not. I don't know. Yeah. It's I feel like he for sure ran the car off the road. Am I, I don't wrong? know if I put <laughs> the, all those pieces together, but I was interested and I think it's always an interesting narrative move to have a character who's not present. Mm -hmm. In the novel, and the only thing we get in terms of, like, what we know about them is from other people. Like, it's always interesting to see a narrative constructed around someone who we don't get to hear from. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we did get a lot of of what she was like as a child. Um, But even still, it's through Marie's perspective. That's true. That's true. You know, since she's writing it. I don't, speaking I don't of trust Harriet her. the Spy, I feel like Helen was on that Harriet the Spy tip when she was in yeah. school. You know, that was definitely her favorite movie and book. Yeah, that's all I got. That's what uh, Franklin has to say about it. Franklin, <laughs> I agree. Franklin, <laughs> well timed. That's Bart. like incredible input, actually. Franklin, I mean, I think Franklin. that's the episode title right there. Thank you. Bark. Um, Bark. Bark, bark. Um, yeah. Uh, what about... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I'm leaving those in there. What about... Uh, can we talk about Sankara? Because that his parts were my favorite part of the book, personally. Yeah. And it... Oh, my gosh. All right. No. Now we don't need your input anymore. You need to shut up. Um but it took us a really long time to get to it. Yes. Like, there was so much buildup. And, like, by the time we finally get to stuff with Sankara, I'm like, we're, like, deep in the book now. And this is, like... Yeah. But it was my favorite. Like, all the scenes with him were my favorite. That's when the book really picked up for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how... Let <laughs> me say that again. I don't know how you guys felt about him or the romance between him and Marie. Um, but I feel like this is something we have to talk about. <laughs> yeah. I look, I liked Sankara as a character. He's super charismatic. And every time he speaks, I'm like, Oh, you're the type of politician people are really scared of because you could actually enact change. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I think he was a great character who I was always excited and interested to see pop up. I also completely did not understand him and Marie's relationship. <laughs> I, I mean, was just, I think I'm just a huge cynic and like, yeah. I don't think you can just fall in love with someone that quickly after seeing them a couple of times. And I don't know. Like, I, mean, I, I just, just yeah. I can see why she was falling for him because like you said, he is very like charismatic. That's and, true. Right. Um, like you kind of see like she's watching him give these speeches and she's watching people be moved by him and changed by him. And mm-hmm. so like, I really believed her attraction to him. I guess like we don't really, we don't really see why he's attracted to her as much. I right. feel like we can and- only assume that she's incredibly hot. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and because, he also like, has a wife and kids. Right. Like, well, and why else would he? Because, like, he tr- he starts to trust her a little bit, but he also never actually trusts her because mm-hmm. he, he, like, has it figured out kind of. But he's like, maybe it's worth it since, like, I'm going to be killed anyway, probably, to just, yeah. like, you know, 
fuck this hot girl. Yeah. Um, She's not a bitch. I'm sorry. That was terrible. <laughs> um, I mean, I think he – it's interesting. And I, I I like this idea of an alternate history that was, like, occurring during actual history, you know? Yeah. Um, But also part of me is, like, does Lauren Wilkinson just have, like – a thing for Sankara, and she just decided to write, like, a fanfic. Um, kind of. I have an answer to this, because I read this re- interview with her, and that's oh my gosh. what she says. Oh, my God. So, Please I'm going to read this, okay? So we can include it in the show notes. I love it. Wait, yeah. sorry, what'd you say, Emily? So, uh, send us the link to that interview so we can include it in the show notes. Yeah, I will. Um, this interview um, is written by Adam Vitcavage um, for Electric... That's such a name. Yeah, for Electric Literature. Um <laughs> And he asked, where did your idea for such a fresh take on the spy novel start? And she said, I always start with conflict in character. It started with Sankara. Then I had to build the world around him. I had to learn everything else after that. I found him to be this person who is so interesting and charismatic, but I didn't know much about his world. As I found out more about him, I realized how interesting that world could be. And then the interviewer asked, so it started with Sankara and not Marie Mitchell? And she said, Mary, you're going to like this MFA stuff. Well, no. I had known about him for a while, and he was always in the background of my mind. The start was in a class where we were assigned a story set in suburbia. We were told to avoid classic and cliched versions of that story. I had this image of a woman who appeared to be a traditional suburban mom, then put her into the craziest situation I could imagine, which was some men coming to kill her. Hmm. Interesting. I'm sending you guys a pic of him so you can... Yeah, I'm on his Wikipedia. Yeah. (laughs) Same. (laughs) I'm sending you the I was like, I see it. I see it. (laughs) She said there was a draft where I almost forgot she was going to be a spy. I needed to figure out exactly what I needed to say. He's quite hot. (laughs) I mean, I would, so. (laughs) We'll definitely post a pic of him on the Instagram. Mm -hmm. And it'll be like, would you hit it? We would. (laughs) (laughs) We can do it. You know how on Instagram you can have the survey, yes, or The poll. Yeah. Yeah. We'll We'll do an Instagram story poll about that. Yeah. See if you would hit. Oh, here's a pic of him with a guitar, y'all. Uh-oh. Oh, that changes things guitar. even more. Hold oh, on, I see I'm it. I'm sending it to you guys. Oh, yeah, because remember the part where he plays on yeah. stage? Here you go. I thought that whole, their whole, like, evening date was was very fun to read because it was, like, yes. it was, like, a romance and, the, yes. you know, there's also that sense of, like, spy and intrigue in the background, but... um. Pretty much every time they were talking to each other, I was like, ooh, okay. Like, Robin. Sparks flying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe that's just me being a basic bitch and being like, nah. ooh, it's romance. It's <laughs> no, it's true. Ooh. I love a romance. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I to me, those parts really worked. And I guess um, it comes across pretty clearly that Wilkinson was very interested in this character. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And she did a good job of getting that interest to projecting that interest onto her readers, I guess. Yeah. For sure. I do wish that we had a little more, like that there had been more interactions between them. Yes. Um, There was a lot of waiting for that to happen (laughs) for me. And I was like, we could speed this part up so that we could like see more of that because the Sankara set was like, Sort of the, her whole spy mission was Sankara, and like it took us a while to get there. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, should I just move on to this last? Well, question? I feel like I'm going fast. I'll add. Go I think 
what makes the Sankara section so interesting is there's lots of good dialogue between Marie and Sankara. And there's like a nice witty back and forth almost of them talking to each other and sort of learning more about each other. And I found that in some other sections, there was also sort of like not as, you know, not as on the level as Sankara, but like also really interesting sections. Like when Marie has dinner with Ross and his partner, Philip, um, I found that whole scene to be really fascinating in the subtle or not so subtle way that, you know, Marie discovered Ross was trying to gain her trust by sort of revealing to her that he's gay. Mm-hmm. And that helps her decide to work for him. Because mm-hmm. he's showing and her, like, look, I'm an outsider, too. Yeah, and I, I loved, like, all of that dialogue between them and the way Marie was, like, analyzing how he was manipulating the conversation. And I think that's what I liked about the Sankara sections, too, because, in, you know, with all this good dialogue, there's also Marie putting together the pieces in her head of what's happening. And, you know, like you said, all that spy stuff happening in the background. And... I wish we just had more of that with Sankara. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I know we've been saying that, but I just, I wanted a little bit more. But I guess realistically, there wouldn't have been a little bit more because he got killed. Yeah. I guess like if they had had more frequent meetings. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I'm like, you slept together one time and you got pregnant with twins. That was okay. my thought too. I was like, <laughs> okay. Look, it only this is always like time. a plot point in things. I said? I mean, I know that, but, like... It's possible, but, like... Gosh, you're fertile. You're real fertile. Yeah, or but just, like, so perfect timing. She was so for him that she got, like, twins. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, I don't man. think it matters how Imagine horny you Imagine if affected how many babies right. <laughs> Her eggs just reached out for that sperm. They were like, come to mama. <laughs> come to me. Uh, oh, give me man. that revolutionary sperm. <laughs> Wow. wow, should that be the title? Revolutionary Sperm? I no. hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Emily immediately said no before you no. even Emily hates the, the sexy titles. <laughs> I was like, I know you're going to ask this, and I already know the answer. <laughs> um, I want to talk about the ending because I read a lot of reviews that complained about the ending and said that it was abrupt, um, and I very very strongly disagree and i think those people are idiots (laughs) but if you agree please say so now no but like for real how did you guys feel about this the way this ended was it abrupt did you feel like you needed more i don't know how how else it could have ended (laughs) exactly oh my god yeah dumb y'all i mean like we knew where it was where it was going like obviously she hasn't written any more than the part where she's at like right. her mom's house like and that's like, where it's gonna if, end <laughs> if it had gone off and like shown her adventures after her writing this letter to her sons i'd be like are you for like it ruins like there's a reason it's called a frame right it's the conceit of the book like yeah which like well, again you know i wouldn't i wouldn't have been mad if that wasn't the conceit of the book and we instead got but like at the same time you know i don't i don't feel like it was an incomplete story no because I just, it wasn't the story of what was happening to her in 92 or whatever. Like, right. that wasn't the story. The story was what happened to her in 87. 
Right. And it is like, just because it's a book doesn't mean it has to cover every moment of this person's life. Right. <laughs> like, she it, she will go on to have more life after this part of the narrative ends, yeah. which is she's true for- spy. She spy. She's going to have more spy adventures or whatever. Yeah. This was just like the one spy adventure. Also, you know, I think the more capital L literary a book is, the more willing it is to sort of have- <laughs> a less clear-cut ending with more openness mm-hmm. or ambiguity. And I think this book ended in a way that I didn't feel like Lauren Wilkinson was like, I'm going to write a sequel. You know, like, I don't think she was gearing up to right. continue it on, which always feels cheesy and hokey to me. But I also don't think yeah. she felt compelled to tie up every single loose end. And I like that. I mean, like, in... Exactly, you know, exactly what you're saying, Kelly, like in life, things don't just end necessarily, they go on and things happen. And I think it's good when books sort of acknowledge that and allow the reader to sort of wonder, hmm, I wonder what happens to her after this and like, keep thinking about the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, when I when we when we read like the strangers next door, or whatever, Jesus. at the end, I was just like, "Okay, well, here we are." Like, there's nothing else to think about. Both of those titles. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh no. Stranger in the house, which says the stranger a lot in the house and the couple yeah. next door. Books. <laughs> like the couple in the house. The strangers next door. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's so bad. So I was like, what so is she bad. Oh. I, well, I I couldn't remember Sherry Lapina's name for a second. I'll, n- I'll never forget her name because it's, like, associated bad. with so many negative feelings that I would honestly have to go it through, really like, is. some kind of, like, exposure yeah. therapy to rid her name from my body. But I mean, I think like one of one of my big critiques of authors like Sherry Lapina is like when things end, every single issue has mm-hmm. to be tied up in a neat yeah. way that the readers can understand. And it feels condescending yeah. as a reader to be like, oh, you thought I couldn't like yeah. well, when you started yeah. to say be OK without knowing we everything talk about nine perfect strangers because we talked about er, the that epilogue. And how I usually uh, don't yeah. like epilogues, but that I like that epilogue, one because yeah. while it followed up on everyone, it did not end everyone's story. Right. Um, yeah. It felt and it felt like it was serving a purpose. Yeah, like, I have more of an issue yes. when things end like too neatly. So I would much prefer right. an ending like this one than a Sherry Lapina ending, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm always very surprised by. Um, the amount of endings people find unsatisfying. <laughs> I, th- I mean, I think like it's yeah, like, endings are yeah. really hard, and and I'm often endings are hard satisfied when something ends. But I don't see that as a failure of the material. You know? Yeah. I just, I just don't think it's very rare when I feel like the book needs to wrap up every single fucking loose end. Yeah. And a lot of times, wrapping up every right. loose end can be detrimental. I'm talking to you, J.K. Rowling. Oh, <laughs> shots fired. I'm Spicy. just saying, nobody asked for that. 
Nobody asked for a lot of what J.K. Rowling has done after Harry Potter. No, I'm talking about she's talking about the epilogue. She's talking about 19 yeah, years that's later. That's true. <laughs> I when I just kind of pretend that epilogue does not yeah, exist. It's dumb as hell. Yeah. I'm like, so you named your kids after every person you, you know. You named your kids after every person you know, and also all of y'all married people that you met when you were 11 years old. It, no, okay, so this is not, I haven't finished Harry Potter, of course, but like the Hunger Games had a similarly infuriating. Ugh, the yes. last book of the Hunger end. Games is absolute trash. Like, Everyone I can don't come need fight to me. know. I loved the Hunger Games, but I was like, I don't, I don't care who she ends up with because none of this is, that's not the point. Yeah. Like. I don't need to know this. Ugh. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, Franklin didn't need to Franklin know agrees. Franklin, like, that <laughs> was some bullshit. Also, he was team, what's his name? Peter? I forgot. No. The other, the other Gale. Guy. Gale. Team Gale. He was team Gale. Franklin was? Yeah. Yeah. Weren't we because all? Because we all know that. Peter's a little bitch. That dude's hotter. I almost said Peter's a exactly. little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? I think that's just common knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> we all know who's hotter. Come on now. Anyway. Uh, yeah. So on that note, um, do we want to give our ratings? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, okay. Who, who wants to go? This is Kelly. I'll go. Hi, Kelly. I am going to give this three stars. Um, okay. I think it's like pretty solidly a three for me. Um. Because, like, I didn't hate it. I didn't hate yeah. reading it. I think there were parts of it that were interesting. But, f- like, honestly, my main my main issue with this was, like, A, the framing device, and then B, I just, like, don't care about the Cold War <laughs> at all. Like, I really don't care. And I'm yeah. not interested in political conspiracy. I just find it boring. So, for me, it's like <laughs> it's like reading something about a subject that I just really don't care about. And so all of the talk that was, like, about the actual job she was doing, I was just like, oh, my God, I'm so bored. <laughs> um, so – and that's totally a personal thing. And, like, this book is not for me. So, mm-hmm. like, she did not write this trying to get people like me to read it because this is not my interest area. So um, – but, like, I – I think, like, if I knew a person who was into this kind of book, I would definitely recommend it to them. And I think, um, you know, it was definitely doing interesting things uh, with, you know, the ideas about racism and and misogyny and, um, like, what it's like being a black woman in America. I mean, I'm always, like, I'm always interested to read about that perspective because, like, we haven't gotten it enough. Like, um, I certainly haven't as a white woman who doesn't know what the fuck I'm talking about. So I always want to read that kind of stuff because it, like, helps me, like, I think, like, books like this are important because, you know, it helps us to, like, gather more understanding of things that we haven't experienced. And so, like, to me, that's, like, enough to give it, like, you know, unless it was, like, terribly written, which it's not, like, enough to give it three stars, you know, even if, like, I don't, I didn't love it, but. Right. So yeah. yeah. Well, I'm going to I'm going to come crap all over. That. <laughs> oh my god. I one star. I gave it two stars. <laughs> for similar reasons. So like I I've been thinking a lot about how Leah who mm-hmm. guested um recently 
talked about her Goodreads rating system and how she said, you know, like, if it's okay, I at least give it a three. Like, unless it's really terrible, I don't go below a three. And I find myself being even more conscious about my Goodreads scores because I know that my TBR, a little plug for my TBR, mm-hmm. um, they might look at your Goodreads profile to see what have you been reading, what have you enjoyed, etc. And I'm like, I want them to know, do not give me another <laughs> Do book. not give me a spy <laughs> espionage. Um, mostly because I just don't feel attracted to the spy genre at all. And I, although I really appreciate the things Lauren Wilkinson was saying about race and fitting in and being an outsider, like, it wasn't enough to make reading the book enjoyable for me because I found my brain just shutting down every time they started talking about CIA stuff. And that is entirely a personal taste thing. I don't think the book was poorly written or anything. I just didn't enjoy it. So I did give it a two. I do think, like, talking about it, though, I'm thinking maybe I should give it a three. It wasn't so bad. I mean, it's fair that you're just trying to control your TBR. That's fair. Um, I don't have that, so I I have nothing to lose by rating this. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I definitely think that talking about it has helped me enjoy it more. But I think when I was actually reading it, I was not enjoying it. That's fair. I also read it, you know, mostly in one night, so that could have also contributed. <laughs> that can just like I felt a pressure tire you out so much that you're like, yeah. I have to. Um, I sorry, this is Susan. Um, I give it a three because um, while I also don't care much like for spy stories, I thought that this was a really different and interesting way to frame talking about issues of race and class and sexism um, by telling it through this spy story. Um, I was not, I didn't really like ever connect to it in a way that would make me give something a four. Um, But I wasn't bored by it, which is why I usually give things a two. (laughs) So thereby, or therefore, (laughs) I'm giving it a three. I will say that I think one of the strengths of this novel is that and I mentioned this earlier like I feel like it is paced really well and I I tend to get really bored or like stop paying attention if things like lull and pick up and lull and pick up and I felt like it really like took me along the whole time even on audio which was I feel like an accomplishment Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. Um, This is Emily. I also gave it three stars. Um, This isn't traditionally the type of book that I read. And so I want to say, because I did choose this book, that that's part of the reason I chose it. I know this book was getting a lot of positive buzz and that it was kind of being um, reviewed as a spy thriller for people who maybe are more into literary fiction. And so I was like, well, if I'm going to read a spy thriller, that probably is the one for me. Um, and I also thought it would be interesting for us to talk about on the show just because we've never talked about a book um, that is in this genre before. So that was kind of why I picked it, knowing that it was kind of outside of my wheelhouse. Um, so 
I try not to rate it on that. Um, but usually when I give something three stars, it's because I definitely appreciate the merits of the book and think that it was well written and well done, but that overall it just, it isn't something that was maybe for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and the main reasons for that for me were the kind of things that I've talked about already, mostly the fact that um, as I was reading this, I kind of felt like I knew exactly where it was going to go. And then it went that way. So as far as, and, and I know like, this is more about this, this is more about, I guess, like character than it is story, but still you kind of want a story to surprise you somehow. And I wasn't right. very surprised. I wasn't like surprised by anything. I was like, all right, well, like they're not sleeping together yet, but obviously they are going to sleep together. And then like, something's going to happen and like, she's going to feel betrayed or something like she's going to have to choose between like whatever, because we get all of that pretty early on. And then it just, it's kind of like on a trajectory and then it goes that way, you know? Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, I, uh, thought this was a, a, the characters were interesting. I, I didn't have trouble reading it. I, like I read this very quickly. Like it was a very like fast paced read for me. Um, but I just like, I wasn't, I wasn't surprised, I guess is the, the yeah. best way to put it. Yeah. Um, so for that reason, mostly is I'm giving this a three. Um, but yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was cool getting to um, try something different. Yeah. So. For and sure. A- I mean, I think, I think we're always trying something, trying to try something different. And like, it's always fun to sort of like get to explore new books with you guys. And sometimes we like them and sometimes we don't, but it's always good to like get to talk about different kinds of stuff. Um, And you you guys definitely forced me to read stuff that I would not have picked on my own all the time. And a lot of times I'm like the next book we have coming. I'm like, okay, well, I never would have picked up this book, but I'm glad I did. And then other times I'm like, how dare this person make me read this? And I hate them. I'm going to remind you of this when we read some poetry next yeah, time. I might be thinking about that right now, as I said, because <laughs> I'm not looking forward to that at all. Yeah. But I'm going to do it. <laughs> Maybe you'll love it. I, I might. I but think it'll be I good. I'm going to be really bored, honestly. You might be, you might not be, because Tommy Pico's wild. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Yay. So cool. Guess what? We got a good long listener Mary feedback. Mary thick and chunky. I do. Back I from you did. For our from our girl Ellis. We love her. Love you, Ellis. Ellis says, "Hi, squad." Hi. Ellis here again with some listener feedback. I've read along with a few books, and I keep meaning to write you all. So here it goes. I will start by admitting that I tried to read Evie Drake starts over and hated it. <laughs> I quit 30 pages in when they started explaining what a podcast was after name dropping a bunch of NPR shows. Romantic fiction is not my thing, and generally neither are books by NPR contributors. Damn. Zero stars. Oh, shots fired. I will let's let's kind of like respond to each of these things separately. Yeah. yeah. 
That is scathing. Scathing. Um, I will say, if I hadn't had to read this for the podcast, I probably wouldn't have finished it, and I might have felt the same way. But I am glad I finished it, because having read the entire thing, I... Talking about books surprising you, I was surprised by this book. Yeah. And I won't say, like, yeah. I, I don't really like romance fiction either, which is kind of funny because I just said that my favorite thing in this book was the romance and I wanted more of it. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, you know, like, I do think that this was, like, elevated, but I'm elevated romantic fiction. I don't know if that sounds, like, snobby to say that or whatever, but, like, um, it took a little while to get there, but... I will say, like, the beginning, the setup was kind of, it's, I wasn't expecting Tedious. it to get good. Yeah, but first. you were rewarded by sticking yeah. on Yes. Yeah, remember how I changed my mind, like, by talking about it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I started off in that book feeling like, uh-oh. Yeah. Mm. I absolutely agree. <laughs> but came around, and it was yeah. a four-star book for yeah. me in the end. So. I only, the only reason I wasn't surprised by it was because I know so much about the person who wrote it, and I'm, like, so familiar yeah. with her mm-hmm. opinions and the things that she likes that I was, like, even if this starts out this way, like, I know that it's going to be different than what yeah. it seems like it might be. Um, but Ellis, I'm not saying that you go back and finish it because like, if this isn't your thing, like yeah. there are so many books That's out fine. there, I would go ahead and just try something else, but like, totally it fair. does get better. Yeah. Yeah. Although I will say you, ha- then, there are yeah. many NPR contributors, so, uh, I bet there are some books by NPR contributors that you'll, so stop being racist you would against like. NPR contributors. Yeah. <laughs> NPR is my ethnicity and I, yeah. <laughs> Am deeply oh, offended. No. <laughs> <laughs> but then Ellis says, next, Cersei. I loved this yeah. book. I found it interesting and accessible, even though I remember next to nothing about mythology that I learned in middle school. Y'all asked if this was a feminist book, and I definitely think it was, mainly because it made me rethink the experience of rape in ancient cultures. I think because it is treated so casually in mythology, there was a part of me who thought rape was just no big deal back then and probably didn't affect these ancient nymphs and goddesses very much. Cersei clearly has a painful and traumatic experience being raped, and reading this book was like a light bulb going off in my brain. I realized rape was just as awful for the women who experienced it in ancient times as it is today. Just another subtle way internalized misogyny affects us that I hadn't considered. Otherwise, a wonderful and entertaining read. Four stars. That's really interesting. I didn't think about that. Yeah. What do we have to do to get a five from you, Ellis? Like me. (laughs) I know. Oh man. I wonder Ellis, write in. Have you have you read anything that we've read for the podcast that you've given five stars? We would like to know. Yeah. Ellis, I don't know if uh, you have read um Madeline Miller's other novel, The Song of Achilles, but I read it right after Cersei because I love Cersei so much and I really loved that book too. I'm I still have to read yeah. that, but I'm definitely going to. Same. It's on my list. I, I think that's a good point though, talking about how it's hard like we get so desensitized i think to reading about rape and mythology because it is just like such a plot point for so many tales that we can easily gloss over it um but it is not good now or then <laughs> hot take rape is not good. <laughs> um ellis also <laughs> Ellis also said, The Memory Police. I enjoyed this book for what it was, which was different from how I was expecting based on the marketing around it. 
I realized one chapter in that it was more like Haruki Murakami than George Orwell, as Murakami is one of my favorite authors. I was able to relax into the Japanese magical realism of it all. It wasn't a book that particularly made me think, but it was very beautiful. Three stars. As a side note, you all discussed on the Memory Police episode that it's being compared to a, a lot to The Handmaid's Tale. When they have nothing in common, and that seems to be happening a lot right now as folks try to leash off the Handmaid's Tale hype going on right now. Right after I finished listening to the episode, I owned up, opened up Instagram to see my friend posted a book cover, the latest reprint of Octavia Butler's Parable of the Sower. The new cover has a huge blurb comparing the Handmaid's Tale across the top, and the cover image is an African-American woman wearing a red cloak and head wrap. This literally never happens in the book. The main character is basically hiking through a wilderness on fire the whole time and is not ever described as wearing red or a cloak or a wrap. Anyway, it made me laugh at the insanity and I tagged <laughs> <it>. <laughs> Keep keep on doing your th- <laughs> keep on doing your thing. Love you guys. I'll say it again. I would really like a Magical Girls RPG Part 2 episode. Cough. Cough. We have to do that. Ellis. We we discussed it and we were like, okay, and then we haven't figured out because I I will say during our day long car ride yesterday, Todd leaned over and was like, you know, if you guys want to do another episode <laughs> of Book Squad Games, I'm why don't we I'm look ready. at our schedule and see like what other sodes we yeah. have coming up, and if we don't have stuff like whatever the first avail- available slot is, maybe we can do that. Yeah, I'm down. I will say I, I'm hyped, Ellis, that um, at least your friend is reading Octavia Butler, even though it is a misleading cover <laughs> and, and description of it, because Octavia Butler is an awesome writer, and she wrote so many good things, and is such a big important contributor to the world of science fiction and speculative fiction. And I just want everyone and to read we her. did an episode on one of her books. We did. It's not one of my favorite of her books, but it was, it a was fun conversation, I good think, to have. It was a. It was definitely a fun conversation. Mm-hmm. Ellis, thank you so much for writing in and for listening and for reading yes. with us. Yay. We appreciate um, it so much. We always like hearing from mm-hmm. you, and we like hearing from everyone. And if you have feedback, whether it's a short comment or a long comment, or you've been holding your tongue and you're waiting to say it, you can always, always send us some feedback. Please. Yes, please. Please, please. <laughs> What's on the blog? And we'll say since now this time since it's a book episode, Alex from New England. Oh yeah, England, we forgot. Where are you? Where, where is are Alex, you, Alex from New England? Are you here? Have you been listening? <laughs> are you okay? How's how's your I can only going, hope that yeah? he also like Ellis has a backlogged um email yes. just f- with every book that he has read and been following along with. Yes. Um, yes. We want to hear yeah, from you. Alex. We miss you. And we want to hear. We miss your hot takes. Yes, okay. yes. Okay. Yeah. Um. Great. Uh. Let's talk about what's on the blog. What's on the blog? <laughs> so we've got twelve days of Christmas movies happening. We're deep in it at this point. Not even sure. so. Hi. Not even sure I can tell you all the movies that I've talked about at this point because there's going to be a lot. There's going to be like two a week. So. Emily has a list of Christmas movies. She is checking it twice, mm-hmm. and she is keeping it a secret. And from she her. will like, not be taking which are not requests. Even, which ones are nice? That is <laughs> yes. using my patented using my patented rating system. Mm-hmm. It's patented now. You the can't Santa scale. It. 
What's that? The Santa scale. Yes, the Santa scale. Um, so yeah, check that out. Um, uh, we still got recaps happening. Yeah, tell us about your recaps, Mary. Two shows are getting recaps. Uh, Todd and I are recapping Survivor each week. Um, I keep saying it every time, but it's been a really good season. Lots of uh, interesting commentary on the world we live in through the lens of Survivor. So if that sounds interesting to you at all, you can check out our recaps. They go up every Saturday. Although this week it went up Friday. Wow, what a treat. We got it a day early. A day early. <laughs> and on Wednesdays, Wednesdays, we get his dark materials recaps from me. And I'm not doing yeah. it anymore. I'm just alone out there talking about his dark materials in a void. I need to watch it's it. It's so good. I haven't caught up. I would like it. I love those little demons. They're so cute. Also, just um, saying peak James McAvoy hotness level. Yeah, but it's out he's of control. not back yet, Kelly. Just letting you oh know. Oh my god. He was in the first episode so much and then he like leaves and it's like where That's the what fuck they is they he? reeled you in with so much James McAvoy in the first episode and now he's gone. Because he's so yeah. hot. <laughs> um but yeah, we're recapping it anyway, even though James McAvoy was only in the first episode. Um yeah, Susan, what you got? Well, since Thanksgiving is coming up, and since I'm a longtime Friends fan, um, I am going to write about the best Thanksgiving episodes of Friends. They did one every season except for one, Um, so I'm probably not going to talk about all nine of them. Um, I'm just going to pick my favorite ones and tell you about them. (laughs) Sounds good. Or I already have done that. Yeah, you have. My bad. Wasn't Thanksgiving great, guys? It's already happened. Yeah. Oh, should I say that again? No, you're good. No, it's fine. Okay. (laughs) Everyone knows we record this in advance. All right. (laughs) So. And I have a mystery blog post. (laughs) That has been posted. Even I don't know. Mary has written something Um, about something. I also will add... I wrote a blog post about Watchmen, oh, yeah. the HBO series, and I didn't spoil anything because I do think it's a show that really works with mysteries well and slowly unraveling things. So it's not spoilery, but I do talk a little bit about the original Watchmen series and Alan Moore and why I think this new series by Damon Lindelof is doing something with a franchise I typically don't like and making it really I'm really cool. excited to watch it. I haven't like I haven't watched any of it yet, it's, but I've heard that it's so good. So It's very good. I'm um I'm at home visiting my parents right now and my dad loves comic books and so I asked him, "Are you watching Watchmen? Are you watching it? Are you enjoying it?" And he was like, "I haven't watched it because I heard it was bad." And I was like, "Who did you hear that from?" Like, it's been pretty universally Probably from his Trump supporter friends. Probably from Fox News. TBH. I'm sure they just had a little blurb where they were like, and he hates the black people in it. Fox News hates his dark materials, too, so. Well, you know, uh, Philip Pullman's all about killing God, Mm -hmm. so. Uh, Yeah. Sigh. Whatever. Yeah. Um, Cool. What's next on the sods well our next episode is our best of 2019 episode which uh we do every year and we all list our top three favorite things 
from this year, uh, as long as they are, mm-hmm. you know, pop culture related things that we have consumed. Yes. Um, yeah. that- Otherwise, it would just be the P every year. Yeah. It would just be like, my favorite thing this year was my cat. Yeah, I can't be like, my favorite Number thing this one, year was the P. this podcast that I'm on. We're not allowed to choose that. Um, but anyway, we'll also be doing Secret Santa, uh, which we've also done every yes. year. So look forward to that. Yes, yes. <coughs> and then our next book episode is going to be Nature Poem by Tommy Pico. A little bit different. It's the first time we've done a whole collection of poetry. And I wouldn't even say it's a collection. It's just like a really long It's poem. like a like a novel poem, right? <laughs> yes. It's it's really interesting. Um Tommy Pico is buck wild and often talks about like kind of controversial things and is just like very blunt and uses a lot of pop culture imagery. So I'm excited. I haven't actually read Nature Poem yet, um, but I'm excited to get to read it and talk about it with you guys. And we will have special guest Todd joining us. We need as many poets as we can get. We got Susan. We need as many poets as we can get. We've already got Susan for this. Our resident. Poet PhD Susan, but we need another. So we've got, we need all the poets on deck to help talk about nature poem. And I'm really excited to talk about it because I think it's, I think it's going to be, it's going to be unlike anything we have discussed before. So anything you've ever heard. And Emily famously (laughs) hates poetry. So that's true. Okay. Let me, let me (laughs) say the record straight because it probably seems like I hate poetry. It's, Emily is married to yeah, a poet. It's not also. that I hate poetry. It's that I feel like poetry makes me feel like an idiot. Like I read it and then immediately after I'm done reading it, I'm like, I have no idea what I just read. Like yeah. I just, I'm a, like, it's not that I hate poetry because I'm just not smart enough to hate poetry or like it. I wouldn't say you're so, not smart enough. I would just say that you uh, haven't devoted enough time to studying it probably. Because I'm sure you would be able. I will say there, you know, the times that I have had to study poetry or have had to read it for school, because I have, a lot of times I get Ben to sit down with me and kind of like read it with me because yeah. I need help. Yeah. And like when he helps me read it, then I actually pay attention. Then like I can get it. But I, then I like, I do feel like an idiot. Like I can't believe like I can't figure this shit out on my own. Um, I think it takes yeah. practice. Oh, like, yeah. I don't think I'm necessarily good at reading poetry and like understanding things and i think also it's highly interpretive and like maybe you see something that i don't see in it or vice versa i guess then i'm like but you know what doesn't take practice reading a novel i can just read that (laughs) and understand it yeah it's definitely i feel like (laughs) but it but it does it does does in a lot of ways like do you think someone reading american spy who like never reads anything would be like let's talk about the really complex issues about race that's going on here i don't know yeah, like maybe yeah. not. I think it just is but, like a brain exercise reading poetry, which is fun. All of this is to say, I'm not trying to shit on poetry. I real like it's really like poetry shits on me. <laughs> but you know, I'm gonna as I always do when I have been assigned poetry, I'm going to Enlist do my ben. best <laughs> and ask Ben for help. Yeah. If all else ben can else. maybe pop in and give some I, comments. I too. predict Ben's gonna look at this and be like, "This is a piece of crap." Oh my God, you think? <laughs> just, just like thinking about Ben's taste, 
Yes. Interesting. Okay, well, I'll let you know. That's my prediction. We'll see. Maybe he'll read it with me um, so that yeah, he can, I can be get fun. his opinions on it. Yeah. Yes. All Poets on Deck. So, <laughs> All Poets on Deck. That's already the name of that episode, I can tell you right now. Yes. <laughs> um. Well, we hope you read along with us. And we hope that if you do read along with us, you'll send us some feedback. Um. Again, our email address is thesquad at booksquadgoals.com. You can visit our website at booksquadgoals.com. You can also give us feedback via social media. We are at booksquadgoals on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, We would love it if you would give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, which is the best way to help other people find us, other people who could potentially send us listener feedback. Um. It's all about that feedback. It's all about know. that feedback. Oh, feels so good. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> please, like, follow us and engage. And we love to hear from you guys. We love to hear that we're not screaming into the abyss. Um, and we know that you're listening. So, yes. you know, just just say something. Uh, yeah. What Did, did I miss anything? <laughs> I don't think so. I always no, great job. Uh, yeah, I try. Um, boop, boop, thanks for listening, everyone. So good. That's why it's your job. I try. Well, I hope everyone has a happy Thanksgiving, or actually had a happy. Yes. Yeah. We hope your Thanksgiving oh, yeah. was good, and the food was good. I mean, I can tell you right now in advance that it's not going to be great, but same. Um, <laughs> I I am going to go see Knives Out. Oh, so. I'm mad. I wanted oh, to go yeah. see Knives Out, but I think my grandmother doesn't want to. So instead, we're going to so see the... that could be an upcoming blog post. I don't know. It's not a Christmas movie. So. I'm definitely seeing it, like, if I can, the weekend after I get back from Thanksgiving. Yes, I've heard it's very oh, yeah. good. So I'm so excited. I love Ryan Johnson so much. Yes. Um, but yeah, I'm very excited for that. But I am going to be seeing um, It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, which I'm also excited to oh. see. Because yeah. uh, so these yeah. could be potential blog posts in the future. We don't know. Yeah, I'd be down to write about could that. Be. Um, cool. Yeah. Anyway, cool. <laughs> bye. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>